Hello, and welcome back to the Shadow Work Library. My name is Jessica DePotzi, and on this episode, I'm actually publishing a workshop that I had recorded or presented a few months ago at Onnit for their Onnit Summit. And in this workshop, we're going to be going through the transformational process. It's all about the art of adversity and utilizing some of the great work from my colleague, Rick Alexander, on values and how really identifying what your values are and how that plays into staying solid throughout that process. Now, if you're enjoying the show, please leave a rating and review. That would be amazing. It really helps me out. And also, there's a very cool YouTube version of this workshop also available on my YouTube channel, so you can check that out as well. Okay, enjoy the show. Oh, you've probably also noticed I haven't posted anything in a while or published anything in a while. I'm back. I took a little break. I actually have a podcast all ready to go in the next week also. So, you know, I'm on my usual schedule of publishing things just whenever, but... I'm feeling like creative these days and shadow worky and outputty. So I think you can expect a little bit more than usual. So thank you for hanging in there. I hope you had a great 2023. In the next show, I'm going to give you a little recap on mine, which has been very interesting. And uh, if you don't hear from me before the end of the year, which you will, I hope you have a fantastic New Year's. Thanks for listening. Today, we're talking about the art of adversity. Now, I don't want to be worried by this title because this is really built on the foundation of experiencing more celebration and more fullness in life. So before we really dive in, could you go to the next slide for me? I just want you to write down in your little itty bitty journals that I gave you, what does it mean to live a life well lived? What does it mean to you? This list here, I think, does a good job in generalizing what a life well lived could mean. You know, this fulfillment and sense of purpose walking confidently into the world, feeling as if you know where you're going. You might not know what the destination is, but you know that every little, even mundane step forward is taking you to some sort of ideal that you hold very closely to you. Uh, Happiness and contentment, that's a really good one. I think this is something that we, at least in the West, really prioritize. You know, when you think about getting in a relationship, a common thing is, I want to exist in this relationship to help my partner be happy. I want to be in a relationship to be happy and to be content. It's a really high-vibing bit of energy that we want for ourselves. Meaningful relationships, that's another really good one. I think that this is really where the crux of a lot of our personal development and growth can come from, being in an intimate relationship with somebody else, going through those dark nights together and coming out of the other side really feeling like you know more about each other. You may have heard of something called limbic bonding, and it's when you struggle together. That's why military veterans have such a close bond, first responders, nurses, teachers, uh, startups, you know, being a part of any team where you're struggling together. This team, you guys went through it a little bit, right? You're going to go through it even more later in the ice bath, but you're going to create a bond that's really, really hard to break, and why would you want to break it? You know, it's creating this, these neural pathways in your mind that remind you of something really hard, but also it was meaningful because of this connection, because of the endurance. And I think that in this time where there's a lot of prioritization around convenience and ease, we can forget about that limbic bonding moment, how special it is to go through it with somebody special. Personal growth, I think that's a big reason why we're all here. I love personal growth. We're gonna dive more into what that means in a little bit. Contribution, impact, you were talking about that. We are going to create an impact no matter what we do, whether we're going out into the world and creating impact consciously or we're subconsciously just floating through life, we're going to make a difference in some way. So why not do it purposefully? Why not do it in a way that is um, like you know what you're doing, you know the vibe of your body, you know the vibe of your spirit, and that every interaction 
like you were mentioning, Smile Lady, which is, what's your name, sorry? <laughs> Mariana, great. Yeah, like her vibe, when I could tell when she walked into this room, she made me feel good, you know? I was nervous about this. I bombed a magic show when I was in the fourth grade and <laughs> public speaking is like still an issue. <laughs> so when Mariana walked in, I was like, okay, fourth, fourth grader, you can take a seat. This is 36 year old Jessica now. <laughs> um, health and well-being, we're all right now in the mecca of health and well-being. Like I was mentioning earlier, I think it was like eight years ago I met John and Shane, and I was so burnt down on fitness. You know, I'd come off of CrossFit, which I still like, but um, they taught me about like the holistic experience of moving your body in these ways that wasn't always go hard or go home. That was really special to me. And gratitude, we all know what that is. Living authentically, that's another thing you were talking about, right? So this feeling that we can let our freak flags fly we can be exactly who we are, and we find true belonging, which is different than fitting in, right? Belonging is people accepting you and wanting you to be exactly who you are. It's unity through diversity, which Anit talks about often, which I think is just so fantastic. So, who am I? I think this is a good time to talk about who I am even. Could you go to the next slide, please? All right, so yeah, my name is Jessica DePazzi. I'm a podcaster and a documentary producer. My podcast is on shadow work. Does anybody know what shadow work is? Cool, so it's a term coined by Carl Jung, but the concept has really existed ever since we've probably had a prefrontal cortex. It's a study on what is pulling our strings subconsciously and having us move forward in life in certain kinds of ways. So the more we can understand what's happening in our subconscious, the more we can be more proactive in how we behave and how we think. We have a little bit more control around our human experience. So the podcast is really about exploring the negative patterns in the human experience. You know, if we experience laziness, I mean, to an extent, we all know rest is, but rest and laziness can be different. Uh, indecisiveness or um, even arrogance. So I really focus in on these very specific archetypes of ways of being that we might not want to be to find out, is there a purpose to that? Is there a purpose to your laziness? Where did that come out, come from throughout history? and sociology and even different religions and whatnot. I'm also the producer of Dark Night of Our Soul. This is my latest project. Oh my God, it's so much work, but I love it so much. It's the evolutionary purpose or documentary on the evolutionary purpose of trauma. And because we all have it, I know trauma is this word that's really dense. And so I'm probably gonna say adversity from here on out, but trauma is really a break of trust. It's something that's happened sometime in our life, a moment in time, a series of moments in time where it was too much, too soon for our nervous system and we're just different on the other side of it. You know, there's no need to identify with it. You know, I'm not gonna identify as a traumatized magician or anything, right? Like this is just something, it can be remarkable, it can be unremarkable. And the breaking of trust, what I mean by that is we expect something to go a certain way. When your dad tells you, I'm gonna pick you up from school on time, and he continues to not pick you up from school on time, you're like, man, I just, I can't trust my dad. And then can I trust anybody else, and can I trust myself? And sometimes these things that are just not interesting become a whole series of things that can affect you later on in life. And because that's true, because we all have our own traumas, whether they're big remarkable things or little tiny things, uh, we have to expect that there's some sort of evolutionary reason that this happens to us. Now, we're talking about trauma here. I know this is a time for play and enjoyment, but that is really the point of this. Like the point of the podcast, the point of the, the documentary really centers around something called post-traumatic growth. 
Post-traumatic growth is important to me because for some reason throughout my life, I was really interested in the dark side of humanity. And it's probably because up until 25, I was like a trial and error kind of gal. I just really put myself through it. I wanted to be who I thought I was, but I was kind of a weird little kid and I didn't feel accepted. And then I started to create these thought forms around being weird and being like, I'm never going to be a part of the group. So I started to create these personas and these masks and I wanted to be this charming, gregarious person that I thought I was, but this idea of me just not fitting in was so strong in me that other people bought into it too. And so there's this whole confusing ecosystem. And I think a lot of us have experienced that, you know, just not, not feeling like we fit in. Um, Carl Jung, he has this quote that I'm gonna butcher, but something like the first half of your life, you use it to develop a healthy ego, right? That's what I was doing, creating these masks, creating these personas to try to find my place in the world, to try to find all those things that was on that previous list, you know, the belonging, the meaningful relationships. I thought I had to change myself to be that. And it took a few rock bottoms before I finally realized the second half of his quote, which was, you, set, you spend the next half of your life then turning inward and breaking free of that ego. And so once I finally started that process of turning inward, and it's clearly still a working work in progress, I realized that that first part of my life is really meaningful. Identifying the haves and have nots, feeling like I really, almost to a detriment, felt for the the outsiders, because I felt like such an outsider myself. And so with all of that, there had to be something that I pulled from that because it was pulling at my heartstrings so much. I just wanted to understand where does the darkness come from? Where does the loneliness come from? Where does that feeling of disconnection come from? How can we be in a whole room of people and feel like we're all alone and feel so self-conscious? So um, fa fast forward a little bit more, I met my husband and he is a retired Special Forces sniper. And he left the military and basically they were like, okay, congratulations, Jeff, you are going to get the full PTSD package. We don't even need to do any testing because it's pretty clear you've been in the military for 15 years, traumatic brain injury, here you go, congratulations, here's some resources, here's some money, and that's that. Now, being the people that we were, we just like could not accept that PTSD was the only result that could come from this long time in the service because what was also true was yes, he did have some very severe and does still have some very severe emotional ups and downs, you know, hair trigger anger, a lot of things that are pretty hard to deal with. But also what's true is that he's a much wiser man on the other side of it. He's a much stronger man emotionally, even though there's a lot of this fluctuation from brain injuries. He's, he just cares more about people. He cares more about himself. He understands his, his values in a way that he never did when he joined the military when he was a young man. Um, he has more of a spiritual connection in a way that he never could have imagined having before he went through all of that. And so that's when we discovered post-traumatic growth as a scientific name for the other side of the coin of going through a traumatic event or adversity that is enough to shake you up. All of these things, you know, we saw on that previous list. These, this is really like the transformational process. To go through something difficult is how we bring these gifts back into our ordinary world. Post-traumatic growth and PTSD were named around the same time in the late 70s or so by a couple of researchers, Dr. Tedeschi and Richard Calhoun. Now, interestingly, we can also understand why one took off and what one didn't, right? There's not a lot of money in helping people understand how they can grow from something, which is unfortunate. Uh, but it does seem irresponsible for us not to know that process because that process of post-traumatic growth, of going through something difficult, and also gaining that wisdom on the other side of it is a really integral part of our human experience. So that's what brings us to this transformation cycle. This is part of the work from my colleague, Rick Alexander, who's a writer of the documentary. 
And I wanna take us through this because this helps us understand where the darkness, where adversity really fits into our life so that we can experience all of those things that create more meaning. Because it's hard to find the meaning, it's hard to find the real joy, that happiness when you're in the dark night, when you're in the chaos. But if you understand where you are in the map, where you are in the framework, it can, you can have a different relationship with it. You can have a relationship that feels graceful and with resolve, like you know what you're doing there. So we'll start with order. Um, this is the phase, kind of like all that list before all the meaningful life stuff, that feels like order. I know where I'm going, I know my place in the world, I know my potential, uh, there is organization, stability, predictability, I know what tomorrow's gonna look like, I love my husband, I love my wife, I love my kids, everything is great, right? Uh, we're going on vacation, everything's feeling good. Um, but if we stay in that level of order for too long, and you can even think about this in a different kind of context as well, like in business, if you stay at this level um, of status quo for too long, we can start to feel like, I just wanna shake something up, just feel a little itchy, feel a little squirrely, you know? Like, I wanna, I wanna change, I wanna evolve. And we usually think about it as, I wanna get to the next level. So in our attempts to get to that next level, it may even be pre-verbal. It may even be something that you can't articulate, but just like something that doesn't feel right anymore. Something wants to come out of us. Our soul is calling us, nudging us to this next thing. And for me, I guess I'll use an example of the documentary. I, my previous life was all podcasting, and I'll say it, a lot of it was marketing and sales. That's how I met these two guys back here. And I was doing it for so long. And at, at the beginning, I was like, this is amazing. This is exactly what I'm here to do. And then, 10 years later, my just soul is like, stop doing this. This is, I don't know, there's just something about it. It was pre-verbal, there was something wrong. I was like, do I need to quit my job? Do I need to move? Do I need to find a new relationship? There was just some friction, some dissonance happening. And then I found myself in that tyranny zone. It started to feel tyrannical. It started to feel stale. I started to lose inspiration and I didn't know what it was. Then chaos comes, right? Then it's like, okay, either you can dive into this experience intentionally or the universe will give you that experience. Like, we're all part of this flow of life. You know, we're no separate than nature, which every bit of organic being on this planet, at least, that we know of goes through this phase, right? Where there is some status quo and then there's an environmental change and then it needs to adapt, right? We're no different in terms of our psyche. So then we get into this chaos zone and chaos is when there's disorder, it's unpredictable, you don't know what's happening anymore, you sort of lose the plot. Like, we often see ourselves as the protagonist of this steadily unfolding plot, you know, where there are good guys and there are bad guys and there are quests for prizes and rewards and adventure. And then sometimes we don't see where we fit in that. And that's where chaos can get really crazy. This feeling of like not knowing where you belong really sucks. It's hard. And I would say this is where the dark night is. It's going into the underworld. And sometimes I am so, I don't wanna say guilty, but like it happens. I'm guilty of this. This is where I wanna start making a plan. I'm like, okay, everything feels out of control. I start looking at my finances. I start cleaning my house. I like try to do anything possible. I start calling people like, hey, are you looking for work or anything like that? I'm trying to make a plan, but because my emotions and everything is swirling around in this state of, of disorder, the only thing that's really gonna result from that is just a plan that's rooted in this flavor of disorder and, and fear. How you plant the seed is how it grows, right? So the strategy in this chaos zone is to really sit with it. 
to sit in that dark night and just to notice things. Now, I would say the strategy of this is to do something called cultivating pauses. This is from the work of Richard Rudd. And it sounds really simple, but all it is is just noticing. It's not meditation. It's something called contemplation. We're actually, you're still thinking about things, but it's not focusing. Contemplation lies in the middle of meditation where you clear your mind, you let it all go, and you wash away all the stuff, and focusing, which is like concentration. Contemplation sort of bounces in between these things where you're just noticing things, you're noticing what's coming up. And if you can notice things when you're in this chaos zone and when you're in that adversity and when you're in that ice bath, because you might be thinking, okay, strategies, I can get out of here, I can say I'm on my period, I can say like all these things to get myself out of this, I could start crying, I can start doing all these things. But if you could just notice the thoughts that are coming up, this is where real wisdom is gained. This is where you'll find like some of the craziest stuff that are just hidden underneath your subconscious that could come out. It's an altered state, you know? It's like doing ayahuasca, I'm not even kidding you. You know, put yourself in a dark room for two hours and see what wisdom comes up. See what's really holding you back. And chaos only becomes order when the right kind of order extracts potential from it. So this is a really, really special moment when you're extracting the potential from the chaos. It's when you start to find your way back to the plot again. You start to realize that this reorientation to perhaps a new ideal, but maybe it's just a detour. Maybe it's just something else that's taking you exactly where you wanted to go. And it's definitely not going the way that you expected it to, but the universe knows better. Your higher self knows better. Your body knows better than what our monkey brains try to put together in terms of plans. And then we can come back to order, right? So this is a really nice cycle to know about because this right here, once we can understand this left side, yeah, that's when we can have more grace and equanimity in the adversity process. Okay, so because all of that can feel insane, <laughs> we need something that can ground us, right? Sometimes it's religion, sometimes it's other things. But what, those, what religion and other things have in common is that it creates a foundation that I'm hesitant to say the word unshakable because we're always gonna feel shaken up, but it can give us an anchor. Values give us a language to build ourselves around. So we have an infinite number of decisions that we make every day, or we have a specific number of decisions we make every day, but we have an infinite number of options, an incredible sea of options to make, whether it's what clothes we're putting on our bodies, whether it's the types of words that we're using with other people, whether it's you know what time we go to the gym, the job that we choose, what we eat. So how is it that we make these decisions? Like there are just so many options we would go crazy if we didn't have values. And whether you know exactly what, you val what your values are or you've never thought about that question before, it doesn't matter, we all have values. And because the thing that we have chosen, like I've chosen these linen pants and I, didn't, I wasn't like, what are my values? I'm gonna choose my pants. Um, I chose them because I've extracted some kind of value out of them. They're comfortable. They make me look kind of professional sometimes. Um, it's a natural material. You know, these are just things that go on in my subconscious so fast that I don't have any like thought around it, but it's still there, it's still happening. Another thing is that they're hierarchi hierarchical. So they're ranked as well in our psyches. And they have to be because if we had all of our values and they were all the same, we'd be in the same position of just like not knowing what to choose, not knowing how to move through life, we'd be stuck. So there'll be things that you value over other things. There are things that I feel like I should value but I don't really. I feel like there are things that maybe I've been taught to value that I don't really. So at the top for me is love. And that's 
whatever's at your number one is the thing that you honor above all else. Um, below that might be like adventure or um, security, things like that, yeah. And you, know, you can even look back to the things that you appreciate most about life and reverse engineer that. So does anybody here know what muscle testing is? Yeah? Does anybody know how to explain muscle testing? So it's like voodoo. I have no idea how that works, but chiropractors do it. What do you do for a living? Okay, acupuncture, wonderful. I mean, it is like the coolest thing ever. Do you think that you could do that with values as well? Oh yeah, you can, you can muscle test for kind of anything. Awesome. So one of my problems is I have a very active mind. I tend to overthink everything. And so when my mind takes dominion over my soul, I'm like, I don't know what I value. I don't know what I want. So I find that practices like that can be really helpful. Um, I brought this thing. Have you guys seen one of these? It's a pendulum. So some of you are like, know exactly how to use this. Some of you might be thinking I'm a hippy-dippy weirdo. Both are true. <laughs> I think, so I have this theory, and I don't know if this is true, but I feel like this can work in the same way. Um, you let me know if this is ridiculous, okay? But uh, the way that you can use this is by asking it yes or no questions. And so the way that I really solidified my own values was I, I created like a list of 10 things that I thought I valued. It was like I was pretty sure. And then I would calibrate the, um, this device, this pendulum, and basically just, I wanna know what a yes looks like. So I'm just gonna do this out loud, but you don't have to do this out loud. Show me what a yes is. And so for me today in this time and space, a yes is a back and forth. Show me a no. So today it's left and right. So if I think about something that I was really struggling with, like I think that I really value wealth. I spend so much time working and so much time thinking about money and stressing about money. Like, what is this? Am I really holding it above everything else? And it was starting to bother me because I was thinking, okay, are, if I hold that above love, if I hold that at my number one, which is feeling like just depending, just based on how much time and energy I'm spending on it, does that mean my relationships are going to become transactional and everybody becomes like a pawn in my scheme to just be a millionaire or something? It just wasn't feeling right. So I was really confused about it. So um, I brought this guy out and I was like, do I value wealth? It's like, no, I'm like, okay, but there's something else there, so I needed a clarifying question. Like, what is it that I value? Um, do I value security? And so for me, that's a yes. Like, I actually don't value wealth. I value security. I value feeling safe. I wanna feel like I have just enough. And is that more money? Well, I actually know that that's not true. I've had times in my life where I made way more than I needed to, and I was so stressed out, and I just felt like I needed more, so that clearly wasn't it. So having that refinement around that value was really helpful to understand okay, maybe safety and security is like friendships and meaningful like work and things like that, something that I feel like I have longevity around. So um, if you guys wanna play around with these, I have three more, you can come up afterwards. I'm just gonna put them up here. Uh, would you? Pop over to, I think, two slides. I had one on muscle testing that I was kind of going to flop through, but okay, perfect. Thank you for your help on that, by the way. That was a hard slide for me to deal with on my own. <laughs> uh, all right, so we have, it also begs the question, what does it mean to live a life that isn't meaningful? And there's this great quote in Eat, Pray, Love for Julia Roberts. She like wakes up in the middle of the night and she is waking up next to her husband that she realizes she doesn't want to be with anymore. And she said this amazing thing that really struck me at the time that I, I watched it, which was, how did I end up here, more or less? Like, how did I, I actively co-created in the participation of this life that I don't recognize. 
You know, and so how do, how do we end up there? How do we end up with jobs that we don't like or in relationships we don't like or living out our days in, we, in ways we don't like? So I want to pose that question for you as well to write down in your journals. What does it mean? How do you live? How do you end up with a life that isn't meaningful? When you live in a way that's constituted by values that aren't your own, that was all of what you guys were talking about. You were definitely touching on this as well. Like you were valuing, you value stability, right? And outside circumstances have constituted a new life, at least, at least at the interim, in a way that you weren't able to live that out. One more slide, please. So I want to talk about emotions here. They are the lenses that we look through often. And if we don't know what our emotions are, that can be really confusing if we haven't really identified them. For example, if we're living in a state of fear and lack, um, we're going to look at the world for things to hide from. We're going to look at the world for places to hide. We're going to look at the dangers, look for them. And so our whole like reality, our whole perspective is really zoning in on the things that we should be afraid of, which is this fantastic coping mechanism. But if we're not aware that we are in a state of fear, then that just becomes our life, right? That just becomes reality. And we sometimes maybe assume that's other people's realities as well. So if people know how to pull the strings of your emotions, your world becomes constituted by what other people value, right? Like what you were talking about. If we, and this is like classic people pleaser sort of thing, you know, emotions are different than values. Values can be seen as sort of the climate. It's this long game, you know, the steady thing that can change over time. Your values, they should definitely be refined as you, as you mature and you grow and you feel more into life and you feel more about what's important to you. You know, like having kids, that kind of changes your values around things as well. Uh, but emotions are like the weather. You know, they change by the minute sometimes. And, but because they're so strong and they're so at the front of our consciousness, um, and especially if other people's emotions can be so strong as well, when we want to find that belonging or we want to fit in at least, we can start to mold ourselves in ways that we feel they will appreciate and it creates a kind of surface level experience of those meaningful moments. And that's how we weaken our soul, by pretending it doesn't exist. You know, these little nudges, those moments of dissonance where you're just like something is wrong. And to be able to settle into those moments, that's really important for us so that we know eventually where our soul is nudging us. It doesn't mean you have to explode your whole life. I've done that multiple times. I'm not trying to do it again, you know. But if we can pay attention to these little nudges, we can hold on to these meaningful things in our lives and take them along for, with us for the ride instead of having to start all over, which there's no shade on starting all over. Like I do like a blow it all up moment. So I want you to list all the ways that you're living out of alignment with your values. This can be something that you're like currently working on, or it can be something that you're just now recognizing. And then the second part of that question is, what are you valuing out of those experiences? Like, what are you valuing instead? And let me explain that a little bit. So my, in my podcast thing, when I was getting going, there are all these best practices on how to do it. You know, you get guests that are, like, they have a lot of followers and all this stuff, and you make some crazy thumbnail on YouTube, and it's just, like, so insane looking. And... I just tried it out for a little bit and I hated it. I just, I did not want people on my podcast that prioritize their own marketing and their own self-promotion over their wisdom, over their craft. And so I did that for a little while and I just like did not like it. And so what I was doing was valuing the way things have been done, valuing other people's wisdom and teachings over my own innate like intuition around how it should be done 
over my own innate artistry that I wanted to put into it. So that would be an example of the value that I extracted out of living out of alignment. We've really busted through a lot of like meaningful stuff, like hard work in like five minutes, you know. So I would ask you to challenge yourselves to go home and really work on your values list and then just be gentle with this process. You know, you might continue to live out of alignment for a long time, but just that awareness really can be any, everything. You know, I think especially coming from the health and fitness world, we are like, okay, I know how I'm out of alignment and now I'm gonna put a plan together. Sometimes we're still in that gestation period. Sometimes it still needs more marinating. Sometimes just the awareness around the dissonance is what's needed. You know, a lot of mental insights will eventually turn into breakthroughs, like emotional breakthroughs. And enough emotional breakthroughs will then eventually turn into these epiphanies where you're just, your nervous system changes and you just don't choose that thing anymore. So um, it's a, you know, awakening, this expansion of consciousness, this growth thing. Growth seems to not be what we thought it was, which is this linear progression, a climb towards heaven, achievement, success, you know, constant happiness. Um, it seems, you know, based on our research with the documentary, that it's really a deepening into the human experience. It's really like being present with what's coming up for you and what's coming up around you. And that is also synonymous with an expansion of consciousness, which is a really loaded word. We hear it a lot, but I think it really deserves a little bit of like definition around. My friend Rick has this great analogy for it, for it. So we're all sitting in this gym here on the ground floor. And if we look around, we can see what's true for us. We can see this projector. You can see me. We can see each other. We can see this fan. We can see that there's stairs that lead up somewhere. We don't really know what's up there. All of this is true. But as we expand our consciousness as, and as we grow, we have more experiences. The more times we go through that transformation cycle, that's the purpose of that transformation cycle, right? It's to expand our consciousness. It's to expand our awareness. If we were to go outside and climb up the ladder and stand up on the top of the building, we can see what else is true. We can see the horizon. We can see people walking into the gym. We can see maybe the sky. Um, we can see all these other things. And it doesn't mean that what we saw in this room isn't true, but it also means that there's a lot more things that are true. And so that, to me, is what growth really is. You know, I, I, I really like that definition or that reframe around personal development. Because sometimes it can feel like when we're having a bad day or our job isn't going well or a relationship is going through one of those really crunchy seasons, that there's regression. It's like I'm going back, like I'm losing all the stuff that I had strength around and that I powered through. It can feel really weird, but that's all part of that process, right? It's, it's all part of that chaos and order sort of thing that's part of the human experience.